Welcome to the Thrive with Omu podcast, where each week I'll chat with an amazing entrepreneur on their growth journey. They'll be sharing this with us to help and encourage us to take that bold step. Hello, everyone. I have Lisa here today. Um, should I say Professor Lisa? <laughs> yes, that would be perfect. <laughs> I love hearing that. Professor, you love, I don't blame you. You must have put in the work. So why not? <laughs> yeah, it's something I never thought I would ever do. I never wanted it. And then when it happened, I was like, this is pretty awesome. I, it's my favorite thing. It's my favorite job right now. I love teaching. So I would say Professor Lisa. Um, do you want to tell us a wee bit about yourself? Absolutely. I'm currently an adjunct professor at a community college. I've been doing that for a year and a half and I absolutely love it. It's my favorite thing. Uh, full-time, I am a behavior specialist working with neurotypical children and children with social emotional issues in two different elementary schools in an urban district. I also have my own business as a children's book author. Awesome. Just, I mean, just you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Did you set out to become a professor? I didn't. I actually, um, I got my first master's in applied behavior analysis, and I thought that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my career. And I kind of just got stuck in my career. And that kind of is how I got led to doing my first doctorate. And I decided while I was doing that, I realized I really wanted to try teaching at the college level. I really enjoyed my classes. I'm like, I can do this. You know, I can inspire other kids. And I took a course through Harvard that trains you to teach at the college level. And I ended up getting my first job three months later. And I have been doing that ever since 2022. Yeah, 2022, January. So how many doctorates do you, doctorate degrees do you have? So I started working on a PhD doctorate in applied behavior analysis in 2018. And then I realized it wasn't for me in 2021. And I withdrew and I... Even in the beginning of my first doctorate, I realized I wanted to leave the field. I wanted to use the doctorate to actually get um, a re-specialization certification. So I knew very early on I didn't want to continue in applied behavior analysis. And I was like, you know, this isn't working for me with the dissertation. I always knew that probably wouldn't be for me. So I withdrew and I actually enrolled in a second master's degree program for school psychology totally thinking I was going to do the EDS, the education specialist certification. And about three fourths of the way through, I realized I actually want to do my doctorate. So, and I found out that the PsyD doctorate is different than the PhD. And it was more of what I wanted. And it was more the type of program be good for me. And it'll get me to where I want to be and what I want to do with my license in school psych. So I started my PsyD in January. <laughs> so I am now wow. working on a different doctorate degree. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, I mean, what, growing up and all that, did you always know you would end up here? 
No, not even close. I've been talking about this the past couple of weeks. Like it's really crazy for me to be where I am and, you know, I'm working on a new business and it's very um, humbling, but also empowering to think about it. Because when I was growing up, I wanted to be a teacher of elementary school kids (laughs) and I hated public speaking. You know, I have a little bit of social anxiety. So, you know, I mean, for me to be like, hey, I can come in and train you. Just walk into classrooms and be like, hey, I'm Lisa, the behaviorist, you know, or to get up in front of a class during teaching and be like, hey, I'm your professor. How are you? That's pretty huge that I never, ever thought I would do. I always was the one that said, I'm done after my bachelor's. That's it. I hate school. I'm done. And now look, I have two master's degrees. I'm going to have my doctorate. You know, I get in front of elementary school kids, read my books, answer questions. Um, about six weeks ago, I gave a presentation to a school on autism. I am in a completely different place than I ever, ever thought I would be. And it's it's pretty amazing. And I feel incredibly lucky and blessed to, you know, even though I did take a step back in my career, I stepped back from being a behaviorist to an assistant. I've climbed my way to where I am and it probably, even though it's very difficult, it led me to wanting to do my doctorate that led me to teaching, you know, working, doing in-home ABA, that step back is what led me to my inspiration for my children's books. And now I am where I am. So it's that little step that, you know, was very difficult, was probably the best thing that I could have ever done. So, I mean, how did you, how did you change? What informed your decision? What, what led you to change? So I was working, when I first got in the field, I was working as a behavior specialist with adults with um, developmental disabilities, dual diagnosis, mental health issues. Um, I did that for about four years. And, you know, I, not to like sound any kind of way, but I felt like I was great at my job had a great rapport with my supervisor, with my vice president. You know, um, I loved working there. I stayed working at that company because I loved them. You know, I was at a point where I was getting burnt out. I was exhausted, but I stayed because I really enjoyed working with them. Um, And I asked for a raise and I got denied twice. And I totally understand, you know, the um, field was changing to feed for service and there's a lot of variables up in the air and it was a lot of politics. It was nothing from my VP, you know? So when I got denied the second time, I was like, you know, I'm done. I don't want to continue working with adults. I'm burnt out. I'm exhausted. Um, I really missed working with kids, you know? So I'm like, let me see if I can make this work because I was living on my own and paying my own bills for the first time. And I realized like, okay, I can make this work. And I decided to take a step back and become um, a in-home ABA therapist, which is basically an assistant to somebody who has their board certified behavior analyst certification. Um, And in doing that, I learned a ton, learned a ton about the field. And I think that's part of what helped me kind of grow into who I am, Um, you know, even growing up, I was always that leader type person. I was a lot more outgoing. And then I kind of got social anxiety around school. And that's really where my anxiety always was, was, you know, talking in front of my classmates. So I think just growing and involving that step back, I learned a ton, um, you know, being the person that pays all the bills, having to take on different companies and, you know, to make sure I made enough money, um, 
I always push to try to make more each hour based on my skills too. And then I got into early intervention that helped out, you know, but I think really just taking that step back, it really opened up a lot. You know, I tried passing the BCBA exam, never did. And because I never passed, that's why I started my first doctorate. I figured, you know, I don't want to stay right here doing this. This is not what I'm meant to do. I'm going to go for my doctorate. That's going to help me pass. I never did. But going for my first doctorate was literally one of the one of the second best things I ever did too. I l- fell in love with research. And my favorite class I teach at the college is my research class. And I fell in love with acceptance and commitment therapy and mindfulness, which I now want to work on with trainings. You know, the um, program itself was incredible. So I think I learned a lot. I grew a lot. They pushed us to participate in class. We did hands-on activities through our residencies. You know, so I think each of those steps have kind of built on each other and led me to be who I am and kind of embrace and get back to that person that's really a leader, a go-getter who pushes to, you know, be um, not taken advantage of, to be given what they deserve and really, you know, do something good in this world. You know, and then through in-home ABA, I was working with a client and my first book series, one of the children has autism and she's loosely based off that client. So I actually, because I've always wanted to be an author and a writer, just never knew how to do it. I got inspired there. So, you know, these little steps going, taking a step back and going to in-home ABA, I got paid what I should have. And I got inspired to write my books. And then failing the BCBA was the catalyst for going for my doctorate where I realized I want to teach. I realized, you know, I don't want to be in this field anymore. Um, You know, that I wanted to really switch and that pushed me to find school psychology. And now I've got this amazing group of friends in school psychology, my classmates that I adore and love, um, you know, and I've got a much better job as a behavior specialist at an amazing company. I started there in January. I'm working, you know, at times alongside an amazing um, PsyD I love um, the speech therapist, the teachers I'm working with, the social worker, you know, so I'm learning a ton about working in schools. So it's these little decisions that I've made that I wasn't sure if was even the smart ones to make have led up to these ginormous things that I'm just in such an incredible place in my life. I am so happy. I'm so excited for everything. And it's my my career is thriving. You know, I'm making a difference in this world more than just beyond my job with my books. I just had a book come out a week ago about special needs cats and the illustrator has autism. And I would wow. never, yeah, that was all through networking that I met her and the company she works for. And, you know, it's these little steps, little decisions that I never I never thought it would lead me to where I am, but they have. And it's, it's been a true blessing. It's been incredible. Nice. So um, not all of us are professors. Mm-hmm. And you've been going on about BCPA, ABC, DBD, FGH, yeah. <laughs> IDK. <laughs> yeah. What do they stand for? So BCBA is the Board Certified Behavior Analyst Certification. It's basically, besides the doctorate, the highest you can go in the field of applied behavior analysis. ABA is a scientific field where we believe that changing the environment leads to changes in behavior. And somebody who has a certification can supervise others who want to get it. 
they can write what we call behavior plans, which is what we give to teachers, to families to follow. We work with individuals with autism mainly, but we can also work with individuals that are neurotypical who do not have autism or any kind of underlying diagnosis. Um, they also can, they, they work on the, our board, behavior analyst board. Um, they also can have their own business. They work with insurance companies to get individuals with autism the services that they need. So there's a lot of things that we can do. For me, I don't feel like this field is for me anymore. Um, I feel like it's too restrictive and there's so much more we can and should be doing, but it's very restrictive. Um, so at this point, I really like school psychology a lot more. I can do so much more in it. Um, Basically, without the BCBA, I can't do anything more than I am. And I want to do trainings. I want to be able to do supervision. And having that all hinge on a test that has an extremely low pass rate, I think is absolutely ridiculous. Um, and there's also frustrations with, you know, people don't understand what we do. People don't fully understand my title, you know, so they don't always listen to us. You know, and I would say about 50% of the teachers I work with do, which is amazing because then the kids do better. And, you know, there's working with people, working with families can be very difficult at times. One-to-one -one therapy is very difficult. Um, you know, so for me, it's a very easy way to get burnt out. So at this point, that's why I'm switching to school psychology. Um, but I also talked about acceptance and commitment therapy, which is amazing. I recommend it to everybody. ACT is um, a way to change your cognitive feelings towards um, different things that are hard in your life. So it's basically making you more flexible. Awesome. So, you know, I've used it on myself and I recommended it to my students. It's very good for individuals with anxiety, with negative thoughts, um, you know, with social issues. I, there's, um, aim, accept, identify, move, which is also based on it for kids. So I've been doing the training for that, which I absolutely love. Um, mindfulness. Thanks. Yeah. Mindfulness is breathing techniques. It's techniques we yeah. put into act. So it's, and that's part of why too, I want to leave this field behavior. It's so strict, straight behavior. If you go even a centimeter over and going to mental health, you can have your certification stripped and be banned from the field. So I want to work with social emotional issues, social anxiety, and that mix of behavior and mental health. And that's what school psychology allows me to do. So there's awesome. like, yeah, so like ABA is awesome. Some people are meant to do it. I've gotten great at it. I've built my skills, but I've also found that I can bring that to school psychology, which has been incredibly fun. Um, so, you know, when I worked with adults, I learned all about mental health and I actually taught this semester at normal psychology, all about mental health. And I realized how much I missed that. So it really made me sure that making this decision to go for my doctorate in school psychology was the right one. So yeah, there's nice. a lot of terms in this field, but those are like the main ones. <laughs> nice. Nice. Awesome. So, I mean, out of curiosity, how does someone who specializes in mm -hmm. behavioral analysis and behavioral pattern and all that, how does that person be that one who is who has social anxiety 
and how one would expect that you know everything about it and how to deal with it? So for me, my social anxiety really is around school. So when I was doing my first doctorate or even um, my second master's, there would be teachers that would make us participate. So in the field of ABA, they want, if you do a doctorate or a master's, you have to go to classes, live virtual classes. So when they would make us participate in my doctor classes, I would be like freaking out, upset, frustrated, stressed, you know, um, but I've used ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy, and that's helped a lot with my anxiety, my social anxiety, you know, and yes, we're supposed to be experts in the field, but I always tell my students, like, I don't know everything. I'm very big into research. I know, you know, what I know I've almost 10 years experience and I will use my experience to help as best I can. If I don't know something, I'll go research it. You know, I feel like even if we have our doctorates and we're experts, yes, but I don't ever feel like we're ever going to know everything. I feel like we're always constantly learning. Yeah. So that's really my philosophy. And, you know, I work with social emotional learning kids and I'm learning a lot and I'm le- social anxiety is what I'm interested in for research. So I'm learning a lot about how to work with these kids and how to apply what I know and then learn how to apply what I'm learning in school as well. Awesome. So um, out of everything, I'm quite curious about the act before we, because we just have a few minutes. Um, out of all the, um, what would I say, solutions or... Uh-huh that you've talked about act, aim, mindfulness, and all that. I'm a bit curious about act. Is it it something that someone could practicalize immediately? Is it quite, is it easy to grasp? Oh, 100%. So there's Mark Dixon, there's Russ Harris, and um, why am I blanking on the other name? Uh, So ACT is very, very easy to use. There's the book, The Happiness Trap, which is one of my favorites. I use that. And what it does is it makes you use the techniques on yourself before you use them in practice for anyone else. And it's very, very easy. There's usually three or four techniques you can use for one specific issue. And then you choose the one that's best for you. And the great thing about it is nobody has to know you're doing it. Nobody has to know. Okay, can you take the shortest, um, easiest one that any of our listeners can practice immediately oh, and yeah. take home? You can use so me as the thing. Absolutely. So there's two things I would recommend. So negative thoughts. One thing I do when I have negative thoughts is I thank my mind for telling me. So I say, you know, if I say to myself, hey, you know, I don't like how you look today. I'd be like, oh, thank you for telling me. And that basically affirms what your mind is saying to you and it allows you to move on from it. With that, what you can also do, what I've done as well, is take that thought and and repeat it in a very silly voice. So you could, what I usually do is repeat it in Donald Duck's voice. And that makes you giggle, makes you laugh. It takes the seriousness away from it. And it's like, okay, you can breathe and kind of move on from it. So that's really what ACT does is it helps you accept things and move on from things rather than dwell on that. So something okay, else so, I do. Okay, yeah. Sorry to cut in. So, no, no, no. 
So say you say to yourself, oh, my hair doesn't look nice, which by the way is not the truth. I actually love your hair and love the color. <laughs> Thank you so much. So if you if if you if it, you say to yourself or someone says to you your hair doesn't look nice or the color of your hair doesn't look nice, what would you do? So what I would do is, you know, I'd be like, okay, thank you. I understand that's your opinion. And then, you know, I would leave it at that. I would redirect the conversation to something else. So we stay away from the negative. Um, These are all ABA techniques. And then if, you know, that's bothering me later, my inner monologue, I would say to myself, okay, thank you. I appreciate their opinion. And I believe my hair still looks very nice. And then I would just leave it at that and focus on something else. You know, I would acknowledge the person and then redirect because the more we talk about, the more we dwell, the worse it becomes. Same thing with that inner thought that I had. So that's really what ACT does. And it allows you to just kind of get on to the next thing rather than sit and dwell. And it promotes that flexibility. So, you know, a lot of times things bother us, but using ACT, it kind of decreases that. Amazing. And you were going to mention another technique. So there's another technique when people have anxiety and they're freaking out. I used it with a couple of students a few weeks ago where you go around the room and say, name one thing that is red. That is what? Red. Red. Yes. So name one item that is red in the room. Red as in the color. Yep. And what if there isn't? So we would use things that are there that we know they can identify. So I could say, name one thing that is yellow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so you would go over the different colors and that kind of brings their tone down, brings their anxiety, their energy that helps them to breathe, helps them to focus on something more constructive. So their focus is not so much on that feeling of heightened anxiety. Oh my gosh. It encourages them to focus on one thing one thing at a time. And that's really where the focus is going to decrease. You're going to feel better. And then once you're through all the things in the room, that's the color, you can kind of be like, okay, can you tell me what happened? What made you upset? So it's a de-escalation and decrease in that feeling that leads to that heightened anxiety. Awesome. That's that's very doable. I'm actually going to practice (laughs) Yeah, please do. I used it at work two weeks ago. You know, I use the negative thought ones all the time. Um, You know, so this is, like I said, this is stuff you can do and people have no idea. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa. Professor Lisa, thank you so much. (laughs) You're so great. (laughs) I got so much out of this conversation. Of course. Thank you so much. Hey guys, so you want to go and practice art and make sure you have a yellow thing in your room. I have yellow, so I'm going to keep looking for what is yellow in my room. (laughs) I love it. I know. I love the chair. It's perfect for that. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much, Lisa, for coming on here and sharing journey and dropping a few tips for us it's been amazing having you on here thank you of course thank you so so much for having me any way I can help and inspire other people you know like I said 
if you told 10 year old me, I'd be here when I'm this age, oh, I would be like, you're nuts, you know? So any way I can encourage others that it gets better, you will get there. You can do this. I am down for it. That's the way. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, guys, go on there and practice the techniques that Professor Lisa has taught us today. <laughs> Thank you. I'm out. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Thrive with Omu podcast. This is your host, Omu Obilo.